I'm Amy Halpern-Love. And I'm John Moscow. Our guest today is Sherry Johnson, Tribal Education Director for the Sisseton Wapiton Oyate, a federally recognized Ocheti Sakowin treaty tribe. Ocheti Sakowin translates to the people of the seven council fires. It refers to speakers of Dakota, Nakota, and Lakota who live on land spanning the Dakotas, Nebraska, and Montana, and extending into Minnesota and Canada. Ms. Johnson is one of the authors of proposed new South Dakota social studies standards that include the history and culture of the Ochete Sakowin. About one in 10 students in South Dakota is Ochete Sakowin. Well, thank you, John. And let me help you a little bit with that Ochete Shakoi, and that really is just the seven council fires. So. I really appreciate that and, and know that sometimes it's big feet that I have to step into um, to represent our uh, Oyate out there. And Oyate is simply the people. So we are located in the northeast corner of South Dakota. We are Dakota and Sisitwan Wakpetwan. Oyate is our, is our reservation, is, is called the Lake Traverse Reservation. And... I am the education director here. I've been here for probably seven years now. And from previous to that, I was a superintendent at a tribal school for about 15 years and spent some more time, another 10 years working as a teacher in various capacities. So education is my lifelong um, endeavor here. And I guess I just keep going. But I had the, you, you know, you talked to introduce me about the social studies standards and, and South Dakota really, I was on the work group for the upgrade or the updating of the social studies standards. And they're content standards that our teachers use out there and they use them to guide their instruction. And so what happens in that process is that the Department of Education in each state approves or adopts a set of standards. And so these standards are the guiding force behind all the instruction. So the standards that are adopted go out to all the schools and then it's the local decisions. It's the local school boards in conversations with their educational experts, which are their administration and their teachers that really make those local decisions of how to teach them and what curriculum to use and what books and materials and how, how that whole genre of education is going to happen. And so that's, you know, really the behind the scenes on the social studies standards. So yeah, it was nice. And, and our state has, and every, as every state has a pattern of a real a circular, well, it goes back, it just repeats and of the standard revisions. And so every year it's a new, um, whether it's English language arts or communications to mathematical strands, to communications, to CTE, which are um, technical standards, to all arts, PE, all of those all are play a role in some years, several committees are working at the same time. So this past summer, I had an opportunity and to work on the South Dakota Social Studies Standards, which included the um, government and the history and, and geography it, were in there. We worked from the, the standards that the old standards, which we started with that as a basis. And then we worked in table groups with grade level teacher groups. 
And, and what happened was, is they requested uh, participants to submit your name and your expertise and your education. So your qualifications to be on the work groups. And so from there, they picked different groups. So there was low level ones, which were, you know, kindergarten, first grade, and they go all the way up to the high school. And then we also had not only teachers, it was open to just about anybody to put your name in. And so we had some legislators there. We had some community people, some retired teachers, tired of retired administrators. And so they came from all walks of life to come in and help develop and shape these standards. So that kind of gives you, John, it gives you a little bit of background on that development itself. And so as this past summer, we went into developing the standards. It was um, a pretty intense time. We spent some time ahead of time training and getting on meetings in the evenings and really training and preparing for what our task was going to be this summer. And so it's pretty interesting for all of that. And that was my first time I've actually been on that type of a team. And I do have curriculum development and curriculum in my background, quite a, quite a bit of training in there and worked on a local level with that, but not so much on the state level. And so it was real interesting to um, be in those groups and see how powerful and how well versed our teachers really are at what they're teaching. And so it was a it was a pretty good group. I mean, I worked in in the middle school level, which is what I taught. I taught middle school, uh, primarily science and math, but and sometimes it was a self-contained classroom where I taught all levels. So it was a real interesting. And what happened when the task forces panels finished their work? So the next steps. Well, during our work, we identified some blaring topics and things that were missing. And basically, it was a lot of the Native American genre, the Native American just were not really prevalent. We have nine reservations in the state of South Dakota. As far as a Native region, we are the second largest. So we have a predominant population of Native people, and we are fast growing. Yet in the standards, there was very, it was like, even through the history of the United States history, you could see where all of a sudden it was the beginning of when the Mayflower and and those original, and then we dropped off like we are non-existent for a long period of time. And then all of a sudden there was, you know, more, more different things. And in most parts, it was just the conflict. And so when conflicts, that's when the natives would turn up in history. And so we could see, you know, the, the blaring discrepancies in, in our standards. And then also when you think about um, standards, you need the more um, standards and, and, and teaching and education and conversations help to pe- provide that background for people so they're not ignorant. So they really understand and and helps with that diversity and acceptance and belonging for Natives. Well, in our standards um, work group, we identified those. And it was early on, we had some real deep conversations on what was missing and why it was missing. And it was decided that maybe we needed to have at least one standard every grade level that that dealt specifically with Native American issue of um, 
whether it was lifestyles, whether it was, you know, any of those things, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily just reviewing all the, the conflict, but those life ways are, are very important and which show up quite often, like environmental science will have a lot of those in there. And then we got through with that and we were very confident and, you know, we had to decide on things like, what do we call ourselves? Do we say American Indian, Indian, Indigenous, um, Native American, you know, there's all those different things. So we had some deeper conversations and there was just two of us were that were Native in the work group. And so they would ask us, we, we got to a, where we were very safe environment and they would ask us, what do you, what do you believe? What do you want to be called? And so, you know, talking about what would I'm going to be called, you know, predominantly Native American, more politically correct is indigenous Native, indigenous Native. And then when you ask a student in South Dakota, they would probably primarily identify themselves by their linguistical, which is their language. So a child from our reservation would probably say, I'm Dakota. I am Dakota. And so, you know, we embedded those different, after those conversations, it became a very safe environment to where other teachers would ask questions, you know, and we, we provided some information and and it was real open. We we did get our standards. We did we did write them. We were very confident, and and I felt really good. And I just I just felt like we really had a good document to go up to the state. And so I off it went, and we didn't hear anything for long periods of time. And then we knew it was going to be released like in December and supposed to be released at noon so you know we were all following this because he wanted to see it and then quite abruptly the day before it was going to be released they emailed out a a zoom meeting and they as the department of ed and so um, out came the zoom meeting and it we got so we all got on it and we're all happy and good to see you know our new friends and old friends and in our group and all it was was a canned speech by one of the other staffers in the Department of Education. And okay, thank you and goodbye. And so that was my first inclination that there might be trouble brewing. Shari, this is December of last year? Yes. So yes. just a couple of months ago. And no, the December, the previous December. December of 2020. Yes, yes. Then there comes the naturally there, there is a comment period and then they set some um, um, actually in-person meetings. And so they set three in-person meetings and the first one was going to be near, near here, but I had planned to attend all three of them. Mm-hmm. And then they also did an open comment period on, on the Department of Education's website. And so then comment after comment was being put in there because when the standards came out, there was so much change. It was hard to see the actual verbiage. So as a work group, we took a look and we paralleled what we submitted up to them to what they actually released. And, you know, many Native people call it erasure 
erasure of natives right out of our standards. And, you know, our Department of Education secretary said, oh, but we added more. Well, yeah, it's more than it was previous four years ago, but it really was not the comprehensiveness that we needed. I mean, it, and, and it was tough. It was tough to see. They changed, they, uh, they dummied it down. And rather than saying directly, teachers will do teach Native American, they, they just changed a lot of it. And it was just, wasn't the same. So the pushback was huge. And so it wasn't even a, it was a, a pushback from all, all our community across South Dakota. And so you could see that by the comments that went on and you could go on there, you could go on there and read the comments and, and um, put your own up there. And our tribal government put some resolutions against that. And so really reverting. And then just a couple of weeks before the first session was going to happen, they changed the venue and they moved it to a bigger place because I think they realized that they were going to have more people in person. And just the, the week of the first meeting, they canceled it completely. And then it was just quiet for a while. And then they're now they put out that they want a new work group and they put out the, the, you have to put in your name for it and submit this and answer all the questions and go through the whole thing again. So to me, you know, that was a, a huge waste of taxpayer dollars. So they're going to redo it all again. So they erased all of the work that everybody had done and it's just nothing's there. And they're going to start no. the whole process all over again, picking presumably another group of people, which they're going to presumably hand select to come out with the results they want to. Was there any reason given for this? They didn't. They didn't really say. They didn't. They just said because there was so much, um, so many comments in the, um, a huge, you know, God, we, we had a protest, a group of, of people from the Equity Coalition in South Dakota petitioned to have a, a peaceful gathering. And so there's a whole process that you have to do to get that permission to assembly. And assemble. And then they did that in the state capital, which is here. And so they actually assemble and they had a whole, a whole list of speakers that day and many, many students. So it was real interesting. And then they broadcasted that. So we were able to, even though I wasn't there and it was pouring rain, people were walking with raincoats or they were just wet. And so they, but they did do all of that. And so I think that helped the governor to really realize and the education department that there are some concerns here that, you know, if they push through the, the present censured standards, that was not going to be good for our, for our state. It was the conflict only about the native aspects of the curriculum or whether other issues as well? Well, they took out oh, all the critical thinking. We were cautioned during the writing process not to say the word culture, no matter what. I mean, whether it meant Dakota culture or anything else, it's just a key word that would 
that people are going to be searching for. And, and now we have a huge, you know, emphasis on critical race theory. And, you know, I, I can't even get the state to define what they're defining as, as what are they saying critical race theory is. So depending on what your opinion of it. So, you know, it's just pushing, it just pushed our racial differences and divides right up there. That's not good for education. Education works together for everyone. You know, Native people will tell you if they're not explicitly taught those things, then the teachers don't do it. And while you might not agree with everything, we still teach the Holocaust. And there's a lot of negatives around that, but we still teach it. We teach it so we don't repeat those mistakes of the past. We provide that education. And that's the way the standards were, is so we can make sure that we're not recreating those same ways. And so, you know, it's, it's tough being a Native educator in South Dakota. And the political context of this is, if, I'm, if I understand, is that the state education department comes under the governor and that the governor, Governor Nome, who proposed that the former president should be on Mount Rushmore, is a big fan of the 1776 uh, concept that American history started, basically that the key events were 1776 and the whole proposal that the former president made. Is, is that correct? That is correct. And and our, our governor has signed the 1776 pledge and, and supports that whole theory of all that theory behind that. You know, one of the things that was always throw, thrown out, one of the statements that was always thrown out to Native people was, why are you making our non-Native children feel bad? That's not the intent. We, we don't want to make anybody feel bad. But you still learn from it. We don't want to the same thing as the Holocaust. We don't want to make Jews or German descent people feel bad about things of the past, but we still teach about it and we teach it with heart and we learn how to move beyond that. We learn that that empathy is there for humanness. So sure, is there some denial going on? Does the governor not want to teach that indigenous people have been exploited, that, for, that they are still exploited? Is there is some revisionist history going on here? Oh, oh, certainly. Oh, oh, certainly. I mean, you know, not only are we seeing this in the K-12 system in which, you know, directly making those decisions for, we're also seeing it in our higher learning and our, our colleges and our universities that are educating people, educating our teachers are, are taught to teach well-rounded and teach to everyone. And, and recently, the governor has made some moves and to strike out, there was multicultural centers, Indian centers within the colleges. And now those are all called opportunity centers. And they've lost their, even though the college and universities are built with land grant, they are land grant universities, land grant institutions of education. That, that has to be really 
you know, and it took a long time for me to really figure out what was going on there and why. But, you know, we want to teach, we want to want to not teach our true history. And she's always saying she wants to teach our true history, but round it all off. Let's round off all the, the rough edges of it. And let's not teach that. Let's not teach the real true things that, that our history is ugly at times. But, you know, we still teach about the, the Twin Towers. That wasn't a good time. We still teach about it. And if you think about it, you know, even the Japanese camps that were in the United States, you know, those are not pleasant thoughts or pleasant experiences, but it is our history. And at the time, the people thought that was the best things for them for uh, to keep people safe. And whether it was or not is, you know, it's not for me to make that opinion. And it's not for our teachers to opinionate our students either, but to open their minds that this is what happened. And this is how you educate and, and then children make their own opinions. And I'm not sure where our, you know, our um, Department of Education secretary was handpicked by our governor. Our state tribal relations director was handpicked by our governor. Then we have our Department of Office of Indian Education, you know, so director. And so it's all, there's a pattern there. I just feel so alone at some times on these. And I've spoken out, I've been very verbal and I did put my name back in to be on the social, the social study standards group because I really believe in that. And I, and I believe that Native Americans need a place in South Dakota standards. You mentioned that there was tremendous public pushback with a lot of people attending, a lot of students attending and so on. Have there been, positive is the wrong word, but has there been positive impact in terms of people coming together to fight back? And has there been an increase in consciousness as a result of this? I think so. I think... Um... And more South Dakotans are now aware that this that this is going on and that the first time some of them are aware that the purpose of standards and how it works, you know, that brought into the to the limelight. And we have a whole even our Native American people, you know, a lot of times they will sit back and, and let let others make that decision. But, you know, they're right in the forefront now. And so this is something that it's, it's worth fighting for our children our future. We have to help them analyze what is healthy for them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even if you're saying critical race theory is a negative term, you don't want that to happen. Well, what is it then? What define it? What do you define it as? Because people throw that around like it's such a negative term. So Sherry, is there a partisan element to this? Um, yeah, I think there is. I mean, there it's definitely both sides here and people can see that there's a need here. I don't know what the, the next coming work groups are going to be like, and I don't know what they're going to be told. And it'll be interesting to see how all of that tailors through. And so, you know, when you, you say that, you know, we have a lot of, right now we're in the middle of the legislative session and we've had a lot of Native American bills go up, more so than ever, than I've ever seen. 
And even one of the standard, actually, we have the South Dakota has developed the Ocheti Shakoi Essential Understandings, which is, it's not standards, but it's the closest that they have for standard. And it's out there. It's out there for teachers to use it, to guide their instruction, but it's not mandated. It's not recommended. It's not enforced. And so for the last three years, you know, I've been providing proponent testimony that really says this needs to be mandated, that we need to use these. This is the only state developed and they brought teams and it was a huge amount of work brought teams together to develop this out. And, you know, is it perfect? Does it have everything? No, it doesn't. But yet it's the only thing that's been developed and it's not being mandated, but that gets shot down every year. And so once again, we asked them to promulgate rules and they wouldn't even do that. So yeah, life gets interesting on occasion. Yeah. The, the state, transferred the Office of Indian Education to the Office of Tribal Affairs. What impact has that had? Well, you know, and that's one thing that we keep bringing up to the legislators and saying that it needs to move back and providing testimony that states it needs to be moved back and it's for these reasons. And so it seems like we have lost when we move out from the Department of Education and move into the tribal state relations. And really the focus of tribal state relations is, is that relationship between tribes and government to facilitate that. And we don't have the focus on purely on education. Whereas when the office of Indian education was in the department of education, the focus was purely on education. And so we had a lot of, a lot more communication. They, they are Department of Education. They are pretty good communicators and they meet on a regular basis and update us with what's going on. And, you know, we benefited from that. And we had a collegial working relationship with the staff in the Department of Education. And so that seems to have dissipated. I sit on the South Dakota Indian Education Advisory Council, and it was one that was a council formed by South Dakota to um, bridge that distance and provide advisement into the Office of Indian Education, and which, you know, in past was under the DOE. But yeah, even that has been censured lately, and their whole focus has been changed. And, you know, we used to provide, we'd meet and we'd provide a report annually up to the governor. And that hasn't been done for two years now. And the report would cover is what our, our group has been focusing on, what the Office of Indian Education was focused on, and then what our needs were or what our concerns are and what we, you know, just points to consider for future and so that was one way that we had for that direct communication in a, an official report. Well, mm-hmm. now that we've had our current governor for three years, it's been, it's been a, all these, anything Indian seems to be eroded, eroded right out of legislature and right out of some of the rules that are there, some of the um, guiding regulations that are there and, And, you know, as a result, that report is also done. What is the relationship between tribal schools, which, if I'm correct, are schools on on reservations, 
and, and non-tribal schools. Do Okiti, Chakoi have control over curriculum and professional development in the tribal schools? Is there more control over that? Or is that all under the state education department as well? So um, I'll t- tell you a little bit about our reservation and then um, know that it's about the same on all reservations like this because our tribe has chartered three tribal schools. So we have three tribally chartered tribal schools. And one is the off-reservation boarding school, which is just above, we're considered a, a, a tribe of North and South Dakota. And so we have our three tribal schools, but two of them are right here on reservation, which are, you know, our, our huge facilities and stuff. And so um, as an education department that's formally formalized, we work with all of our schools and our native, we have about maybe 1500 native children, which is far cry from what Oglala is in Pine Ridge area. But this is our, our base here. And so we have some of our students will go to public schools and some will go to the tribal schools. It just depends on, you know, that's family choice. So we really do have some school choices. And so when I say charter our our tribal schools, it means that our tribe has, and they all have school boards, but they chartered them and everything runs through them. And we are Bureau of Indian Education Schools, so BIE ones. And that's where the funding streams come from. And as a result, they have their school boards and their school boards made those local decisions. But the BIE regulations state that you have to be accredited by an agency or by your state. And so there's specific language in the regulations that you have to be accredited. And so when you, when you are accredited by the state of South Dakota, that includes you maintain those high qualified teacher levels of education and all their certifications, but you also abide by the accreditation um, rules that they have promulgated. And in inside that is standards. So you, you state you will follow the standards of in which the state you reside. And so the other way that we work with, so we have more control of what's in, in, instructed in the tribal schools, but on reservation schools, um, we work with, there's seven or six public school systems that we work with. And we work with them through Title VII and, and well, which was, ooh, I think it ch- took a change, Title VI. And then we work with, anyway, the JOM, the Indian Education Program. So we work with all of our area schools. But we also work with our area schools on tribal consultation. And when the SLA, which is the, it replaced No Child Left Behind, the um, Elementary and Education Succeed Act, when that was approved, it brought in the tribal consultation. So any school that has 50% more Native students or have more than $40,000 in in title funds has to consult with your local tribe. And so, you know, when that came in place, we developed some some guidelines and how we're going to do this and what it looks like for each tribe. And so each tribe could set up their own and we work with our local school districts on tribal consultation. They, they actually meet with our council. And then we also work with them. I work with our JOM, the JOM Johnson O'Malley funding, which is a federal funding, comes straight to the tribe. And then we work, we have staff in our school systems providing services to Native children. 
And so we have three mm-hmm. schools that are more than 50% Native American population, and we work with them on things like um, providing cultural um, trainings in service. We have one of our JOM, our Johnson O'Malley staff that are in school are, are providing some, it, the last, the next couple of Fridays that he's going to do some art lessons with young kids, uh, kindergarten, first grade, and they're going to be um, surrounding Native, Native American topics. So, you know, I've suggested him to take the Buffalo box, which is, you know, our, our sharing a part of our life ways that we use the buffalo for and, and the kids get to touch it. They can feel the buffalo, the hide, the the bladder, the tools that were made from the buffalo. And then I and then we have developed a Dakota coloring book around the buffalo that has some more information in there. And so we work with our schools in that way to provide those cultural trainings and support that our, our public schools need. So just to delve into an example. When you take, say, a historical event such as Wounded Knee, how would that be taught in, say, the public schools? How about the schools in which you have an advisory role? And what about the tribal schools? Well, I don't know if I want to have a, a, a huge comment on that, but the, the most prevalent discussion or the most prevalent, what I hear anyway, is that when it's when it's taught in the public school systems, they teach it as knee battle. And whereas, you know, we call it a massacre. And we can't and we can't get past that. So do teacher preparation programs in South Dakota include material on uh, Okiti Shakoan? I can't say that for sure. I know that when teachers are certified for, through the state of South Dakota, they were required to take a Native American class that really has American Indian topics. And so there's some rigor on that. And so that happens with the teacher certification. So if you're a teacher that already has a certification moving into South Dakota, then that's a required course where you're going to take a, a Native American Indigenous class of some sort. Different universities call it different things. Why is what's happening in South Dakota significant beyond South Dakota? Oh, gee, why is it really significant? Considering I, I just did a, a Newsweek article and that also really touched a lot on the critical race theory, which is blowing up all over the United States. And so I think it's huge. And with our governor and, you know, all eyes are upon South Dakota to see how this is, how this is going to turn out, because it, I think controversy draws interest, whether and, and primarily negative controversy draws interest. And so all eyes are upon South Dakota to see what what goes on. I mean, you know, our our present governor traveled with the, the former president and talked on his behalf at different times. So she has a following that people are watching what she does. And so, you know, she's very opinionated and you know that's okay. She's a governor, all I'm gonna say. But, you know, there's other states that are going through this. You know, we have, and if you look like Montana has Indian education for all, that's, they approve that. So 
all students get a nice, um, well-rounded education for all. So it has, that is incorporated through and, you know, threaded through all their, their education. And then uh, North Dakota has approved some mandates where it's in their course requirements. And that's where they embedded some language of the, in their laws that really said that you need to teach Indian history here. And, and so there's some real proponents out there. And then you look at, you know, Washington and Oregon, huge uh, amount of Indian education and legislative and support out there. And you can see it by just the documents that they put out. And then there's South Dakota. We're here <laughs> fighting for everything Native there is. And all we want to do is have a, have a fair shake of teaching our history and teaching, you know, it's not always pleasant, but just teaching our history and teaching what, what are the differences? What are the similarities? We're people. You know, how does tribal government, how is, is tribal government different? You know, and one of our, our biggest things that, or I shouldn't say biggest things, I'm always blowing things way up, but, you know, we have, we work with a, a, a public school system and it's a huge one, just seven miles away. Their teachers will take early retirement and they, then they w- will work at our travel schools and they go through an orientation and provide them with that background and that history, that local history. And, and they'll come and they'll say, I've lived here all my life. I never knew that. All my life. I never knew that. Seven miles away. Yeah. And so there's some ignorance. And here's my other telling story. So as administrator, I had, you know, I, I got all the complaints as the superintendent. And so this is huge. All of a sudden I had some parents calling me saying, uh, one of your teachers is talking about the hanging, the hangings at Mankato. And their child was savvy enough and had been to Mankato during um, the, the, um, the convening that they have every, every year. And so knew the history about that, about all of that. He said something about Abraham Lincoln and, and Abraham Lincoln was the one that signed the proclamation that really did the hanging. And the teacher said, oh, he wouldn't do that. And so it's like, oh my God, my teacher didn't know. My teacher was, didn't know. So you know, and that, that means there's an education piece missing and that as an administrator, mm-hmm. you really need to um, be cognizant and provide teachers with that well-rounded experience. Are there any ways specifically that people outside of South Dakota can be supportive? Hmm. I think just reaching out, reaching out when, you know, when South Dakota does have have their um, comments out there and put those, put those out there, support them. I mean, social media these days is, is huge. You know, you look at podcasts, we've never had podcasts and they're there now, but reach out to these people and let them know, can they be a voice? They are. And can they be listened to? They are listened to. Thank you, Sherry Johnson. Well, thank you for inviting me here. And, and I know I, t- I, I spoke circles around all kinds of things. And, and if you see anything else that you want to know about or have some interest in, and 
reach out to me. I'm here. Just I'm just one person doing a battle. <laughs> and thank you, listeners. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with friends and colleagues. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a rating or review. This helps others to find the show. Check out our website, ethicalschools.org, for more episodes and articles and to subscribe to our monthly emails. We post annotated transcripts of our interviews to make them easy to use in workshops or classes. We work with consultants to offer customized SEL programs with a focus on ethics for schools and youth programs in the New York City and San Francisco Bay areas. Contact us at hosts at ethicalschools.org or on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Ethical Schools. Our editor and social media manager is Amanda Denchi. Until next week. Thank mm-hmm. you.